editing Beth here. This is just a quick little intro note to say that we did have a live reaction for this week's episode being Changing Channels, and we are going to play that now for you at the start of the episode. We were lucky enough to be joined by our good friends KJ and August, so they got to be there for Jamie's reveal as well. Hopefully you guys enjoy the episode as much as we enjoyed recording it, and yeah, enjoy! Are we ready? Yes! I don't know if you are, Jamie. <laughs> it's gonna be a trickster episode. Okay. Funny about that. Yeah. Wait, am I gonna be right? You're gonna find out. You're gonna find something out. What the fuck is in that fridge? See how this is where all the color from yeah. those other episodes went. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's in this specific room. Fucking intro just gets me. <laughs> the fucking ghost in the closet. <laughs> That's Dean's normal worry. <laughs> they must have had so much fun doing this intro. Like <laughs> honestly, yeah. You're just vibing out there, aren't you? I love this episode. Dean sounds too interested in the Hulk's hole. <laughs> I'm just getting flashbacks to the two other times they failed to kill him. <laughs> They're like, our backup plan is a thing that never works for us. <laughs> despite having tried repeatedly. Yeah, it's a trap. Duh. <laughs> God, Dean doesn't have the amulet at the moment. I was like, why does he look naked? Bobby has his hat. Dean has the amulet. <laughs> He's so excited. It's... What a nerd. Do you think this is them trying to capture Grey's Anatomy's, like, target demographic? <laughs> I think they were just like, wow, this is the other show from 2005 that ended up being immensely popular. <laughs> I feel like they kind of missed the point. I feel like the point was obvious. They're meant to, like, play along. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> the trickster made it blatantly fucking no, obvious. <laughs> One brain cell. One brain cell. Currently, Bobby has it, which is inconvenient. <laughs> this is, like, the one time Sam's hair is ever restrained. But they couldn't bear to put a cap over it properly. It is still a hundred percent like a like a safety. Hazard, yeah. Like it's part of the genre, honestly. I have medical equivalents to all those things, but okay. <laughs> Stanford educated Sam doesn't know that. <laughs> Music is so fucking funny. The first like eight seasons of Grace Anatomy sound like their soundtrack. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I love that dude. He has so much showmanship. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Pretty boy angels. Oopsie doopsies. What a descriptor. It's a deviation from the normal gay angel deck. <laughs> Mixing it up. 24 hours. He fucking spelt it out. <laughs> Wasn't that difficult? He's like survived for 24 fucking hours. To be fair, Cassa said he's been missing for days. So 24 hours is relative. Fucking hell. <laughs> I love that the tricks that chose Sam for the herpes PSA. <laughs> Last week they gave him the collapse. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Kudos to the acting there. It's, yeah. it's good. It's good. Is that meant to be lingerie or a bathing suit? I've never been able to tell. Unclear. It matches her shoes. That's the important part. But they just like kick her out in it. Like I've been guessing swimsuit based on the location too, like the Florida, California. <laughs> they really are trying to silence the gays. <laughs> Liter- quite literally. Going for the jugular. Love how his mentality is like ripping off a band-aid. <laughs> the fucking life. CSI Miami. <laughs> fucking slow-mo. Sam particularly just looks like such yep. a douchebag. The walk. Let's poke it with a stick. <laughs> Not gonna ruin forensics at all there. <laughs> I love that no one around reacts to the murder they just committed. <laughs> I feel like they already established that that doesn't actually tr- kill him though. Like, they've stabbed him before with stakes. <laughs> They're like, we'll just keep trying. <laughs> One of these times it'll take. This is exactly what he did in the first episode he was in. He pretended to die. 
He's like, you know when spiders like curl up on themselves, like, haha, I'm dead. And then you like go to like flick them and they're like, haha, I'm alive. Who could have predicted that? <laughs> Almost like they try to do that before, exactly the same way. They didn't work the thing that kill him last time, also didn't kill him this time. Shocking. Crazy. Almost like he's an angel. <laughs> Music is great. <laughs> I love how they're like, we're just not going to have Jared Pedalecki here. He can do a bit of voice acting, but that's it. Well, it's a Jeremy Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It is. He's just going to ride him in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly just... what that was implying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it feels really bad because you've been gaslighting me for fucking months. <laughs> for a month. Wait, I have something for you. We can get to the end of the episode in a minute. It's like seven minutes to go. It's fine. Well, it's fine. This you look, I'll be back in a sec. <laughs> so you guys knew, and you were also being really mean to me specifically. Not wrong. <laughs> this feels like a personal attack. <laughs> it really does. And I have a feeling I know exactly what Beth's about to go and get. I reckon it's gonna be a cake that says you were right about the trickster. No, it's just sorry, I guess what you <laughs> I already sent them a picture. I knew it was coming. And look. I agree to garden for you. I, I do not like gardening. I am not an outdoor. <laughs> I am for the indoors. This morning when you were telling me, Jamie, you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching four episodes in the space of two days and gardening for Beth. And I'm thinking here going, and you're going to find, you're about to find out <laughs> that we've all been kind of gaslighting you for months. Months. It's going to be fun. <laughs> It's gonna be fun. You sons <laughs> of bitches. You love it. <laughs> okay. So just, I, I was like, okay, I'm like, no, we gotta work it out. I want like August and KJ to be there. They are our friends. I and you guys have been fucking lying to me too. <laughs> I feel a little bit satisfied to be right. <laughs> it's been really funny. But you have talked so much about this. You've talked about this like so much. Yeah, imagine like I like imagine oh, you know how long we have missed. Sad now because you know what just hit me. I'm no longer am not allowed to make the joke. <laughs> like I can no longer go. Yeah, but what if the trick is an angel? Because I fucking know. <laughs> like that was my favorite fucking joke. You didn't know the last time was going to be the last time. <laughs> we were so mad when you said it because we were like, none of us fucking picked that. Yeah. No. None of you us picked guessed it, that. You picked it up. You picked it up so early. Well, you picked it up immediately, and it was infuriating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was KJ. Was like, how did? How did she do? Like, what? The what color what clues? Are we, are we getting it wrong? <laughs> color grading. Honestly, what did it was the color grading because we got four or three, and that was the only other episode that had the same color grading as the two trickster episodes. <laughs> Incredible, honestly. I'm assuming then that the spoiler that you're worried about for the Winchesters is that, like, yeah, we're getting a trickster episode on Wednesday, and I was really worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's appearing yeah. in the episode, and we're like, we have no idea what. Yeah, we don't know what the context is going to be. Yeah, so we're and like, if everyone is like on Twitter, like, oh yeah, I'm assuming he gets an actual name. Yeah, we're about to find okay. out. Yeah, like, if, if I'm assuming, I mean, they'll be like, oh, this one, and then they'll have the picture of his face attached to it. It's yeah, like, I've heard that name. Okay, so they're the same character. Sam is so fucking dumb. <laughs> That's the shot they had in the soon that I was really mad about. That's okay. I couldn't ID the person in the, the circle. It just would have given away potentially that it was coming, that there was something. Like, you give my boyfriend back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm so concerned. 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole because I'm trying to drink, Beth. Why would you start it while I was trying to drink? <laughs> I said I'm ready when you are. <laughs> I said the recording has started when you And today. <laughs> that it's the vibe for today. It's uh, fine. Today we're discussing the eighth episode of season five of Supernatural titled Changing Channels. Jamie, what did you think? You have been gaslighting me <laughs> for a fucking month. I know. I am so well aware. At no point did you say, hey, you know what, Jamie? You're not fucking crazy. It is weird that they're using the same color scheme. Hey, I credited your theory. I told you that I was impressed with the way you had put it together based on the information you had gathered. I told you that it was a very valid theory. I tried so fucking hard <laughs> to be supportive. While I was having a panic attack. (laughs) Think about how hard it's been for me, Jamie. You didn't know the struggle. (laughs) That's because I am the victim. (laughs) I'm the victim here. Also, I made you a cake. So. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's not the only thing I did. I felt extra bad. So, I also bought you I couldn't remember which one you preferred, so I got both. So that's, um, that's penance for gaslighting you. <laughs> Are they the sort of bullets that you could put in the cult or the gun that kills everything? <laughs> imagine, though, imagine if the cult did run off, like, chocolate bullets. Oh, Daryl Lee would make a significant profit. <laughs> okay, so... Very, very quickly, obviously, everyone who's listening to this episode knows Changing Channels is a pretty iconic episode for the fandom, obviously. It's a trickster episode, and we get the reveal that the trickster is actually the sort of stage name of Gabriel the Archangel. A reveal that we've all been waiting for. (laughs) And it is very rude to me personally. So you have to answer my next question. Okay. How the fuck does the structure of heaven work? Because he's an archangel. (laughs) But I don't know enough about the Bible to be out of place. Like, sorry, is he the same level as Cass? No, 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 no. no. More powerful than Cass? Okay. Because I feel like an archangel is what they said was protecting Chuck, the prophet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's meant to be the same level of the thing that they're putting on Chuck's shoulder to essentially smite anyone who puts Chuck in danger. I think Cass described it as uh, heaven's most powerful weapon. So essentially, And he fucked off to yeah. mess with people. Yeah. Do you remember in Mystery Spot, I made a joke about like witness protection? <laughs> that was a, a little wink to the audience because, yeah, so basically the structure of it is we have God at the top, mm-hmm. right? And then from that, the next step down is you have the archangels. It How many archangels are we talking here? So it depends on, if you want to go by like religious standards, it depends on like where you look. Yeah. In terms of supernatural, the most prominent ones are Gabriel, who we now know is the trickster. Michael and Lucifer. Michael and Lucifer. Also Raphael. Okay. And we had Wait, so does that mean that Raphael is the fucking archangel protecting Chuck? Because like, it's definitely not Lucifer. I mean, it's it could not- be Michael. Because he didn't have a, I don't think he had a vessel, because all we see is the white light. So that could just be him, like, smiting from above, a la lightning, I suppose. (laughs) Michael's smiting from above, and it's white lightning, like Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) (laughs) Dean-coded. Dean-coded. 
Yeah, I think that... We get basically four named archangels in Supernatural. That I can think of. I don't think we actually come across any others. And at this point, we have met all four... Well, we haven't met Michael, but we're aware of Michael. Whereas we've met... Uh, we Raphael. Raphael and well, Raphael was the one in five hundred three where Dean and Cass summon him and they trap him in. Oh, the okay. that's Raphael. Mm, yeah. So yeah, so we've got Lucifer, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. As far as I remember, they're the four that we get as actual characters within the show. It's implied there are more, but they're only the ones that are named. They're the ones that we have reference to or we actually interact with. I don't think we. And it seems like based on what the show's doing, that it's sort of like in terms of power level, Mm -hmm. you have like Lucifer and Michael and then Gabriel and Raphael are slightly lower. Yeah. So in terms of- It's still same tier, but they're just like- the So Lucifer is the youngest archangel, I'm pretty sure, because he's like the little brother. When Michael is the eldest, so I'm pretty sure it goes Michael and then Gabriel and Raphael somewhere in the middle and then Lucifer. To be fair though, they would have all been created pretty much instantaneously, I would assume. So like- Little Young. versus older is like the span of 0.3 of a second, but like who the fuck knows. From the characters and creatures that we've met thus far, basically you've got God at the very top, then Jesse, the Antichrist, and then you've got, because we got last yeah. episode that, or not last episode, episode before, Cass saying that he would wipe out the whole host of heaven. So you've got Jesse there, and then you've got the archangels, and then below that, I, I'm not 100% sure what other like levels of angel there are, but Cass is a seraph. Which is somewhere below Archangels, but above Cupids. Cupids are introduced at a later date. Yeah. And they're like a much lesser sort of status of Angel, but they do still count. But they have a lot lower power threshold kind of thing. And do you then, think there's just one particularly pissy like Cupid who's like de- determined to get Destiel together? <laughs> and that's why like there's all like the queer baiting and stuff? Oh, look. Wait. It's not. It's not actually Dean and Cass irrevocably drawn together. It's this fucking Cupid trying to push them together. That's but it's hilarious. like only half effective because like Castiel's an angel and it doesn't exactly work on him. Look, we can actually have a discussion about some symbolism regarding that later down the track. But anyway, <laughs> so also within the level of Seraphs, I'm not sure. Like I can't remember if we ever get any particular explanation on how Ooh, the ranking is organized. Even better, even better take. I'm sorry, I've just reviewed that. That sounds wrong. No, the Cupids are actively trying to keep them apart. Oh, interesting. Like, because I'm assuming if Cupids have the power to push people together, they have the power to rip people apart. You know, I don't know if we ever get confirmation of that, but, like, maybe the other organization, we definitely have angels who are in, like, high positions of power. Are Cupids, like, a similar level to, like, Reapers in terms of power levels? Like, more passive? Yeah. Like, Like, just trying to sort of, like... Passive, like doing what they need to do, what needs to happen to keep the world moving. But like, yeah, they're not like they're not like they're not out here smiting. No, people. no, they're not soldiers by any means. They're like similar power level wise. In yeah, terms of like very different temperament. Yeah, but similar, I would say. I think you could equate them because they're not out here to change stuff. They're basically there to course correct. Yeah, it's much more passive. They're not out here fighting. They're just like kind of around. We can definitely talk about Cupid's and symbolism with Desiel, though. Like, that's a whole motherfucking thing. Don't you worry. We'll get there. So the structure of heaven, we we get a lot more in later seasons. To be clear, I wasn't asking you in terms of like, oh, can you break down exactly the structure of heaven and who reports to who? Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I was just like, how... How powerful are the different levels comparatively? Just so that Technically I have... tier three. 
below Jesse, but like honestly, like Jesse barely counts because he fucked off to Australia and we're never going to hear from him again. So they're basically tier two. So you have God and then you have the Archangels. So yeah, so Gabriel is really fucking powerful. And I mean, your theory, absolutely correct. Like you're right. They used all the same thematics. They used the same color desaturation techniques and saturation techniques, the lighting. I mean, we've had the trickster. We had all of mystery spot. We've had this episode and we also had like all of Zachariah's things like we had it's a terrible life yeah. we had Enverse, which is questionable we've had like all of these things like you're correct you're correct like, they're using the they're same the techniques. same MO yeah they're, the, they're playing in the same toolbox yeah and so is Zachariah a Seraph like Cass? Zachariah I'm pretty sure is Zachariah I don't Zachariah is not an archangel no I didn't think I so he doesn't say... seem powerful enough he's like a weaselly little man and I love him but he's a weaselly little man. I don't want to say he's just a seraph or maybe a slightly higher standing angel that we don't have a name for. Yeah. Like, but he's definitely higher rank. He's below Archangel, definitely 100%. And he's either the same level of cast or like one step above. Yeah. Okay. They used all the same techniques. And that makes me question, because obviously they weren't intending on making the trickster an angel. From the get-go. From the get-go. Because angels were not in the plan. Wait, who wrote the intro episode to the trickster? Mystery Spot? Was Mystery Spot the first no. one? No. Um, You've just blocked it in on your brain because it was so bad. Oh my god, Tall Tales. <laughs> so funny that when you said that I knew what you meant. Who yeah. wrote that one? I just want to know, like, does this fit into the Sarah Gamble long-con? Who was in on it? I don't think so. John Shaban. Oh, okay. We haven't really had any theories about John Shaban. I don't know. Like, I feel like the first episode is not written in such a way that you're like, oh, you yeah, know, they were definitely planning, like, something. Oh, I don't think they were planning on making him an archangel from his introduction but do we think that they actually like when they realized what they could do that's when they started like mirroring the same techniques they used with him to sort of like yeah i it's it's really interesting i would love to know at what point they decided they were going to go down this track because technically they could have decided this when they decided they were going to introduce angels like they could have decided this at some point late season three early season four I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, and we haven't seen the trickster since season three. Mm-hmm. And what is hilarious is that Mystery Spot was going to be the final episode of season three if, you know, they hadn't been able to get those extra few. Yeah. Which is just so interesting, accidentally, as per usual, that that would have been the fin- yeah. finale of season three and then it would have gone into season four and kicked it's off with Lazarus Rising. with angels. Wild. I, yeah, I've got no idea when they planned, when they started thinking like this but I do think it is one of those things that retroactively makes a lot of sense like a lot like maybe it was just in the writer's room they realized they had this trickster character and they'd given this trickster character so much fucking power yeah they just completely made him too powerful to be so they were like well now we've got to add in some sort of constraint and the constraint is he's an angel so he's bound by all the same constraints as a regular angel angel, like the angel blade and the fire and Mm -hmm. theoretically if Sam is still drinking demon blood. Oh, this is the angel that people ship Sam with. Oh my god. <laughs> Seriously? Sabriel. Yeah, it's it's quite a big ship. Personally, not for me, but... I can see how it'd also be a vibe. I think it's funny given mystery spot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I love that someone saw that and went, these guys should fuck. <laughs> I personally don't think I ship it, but also I can see how it would be fun to ship it. Like, there's a lot of chaos to be had here. Mm. Like, I see the appeal. I think Gabriel as a character is just a very fun character to ship literally anyone with. Oh, yeah. 
Like, it's very fun. Just the vibes there. Yeah. And a oh, quick shout out to Richard Spade Jr. Like, impeccable performance as always. He's phenomenal. I'm so excited to see him reappear in the Winchesters. It's going to be a delight. I feel like we need to move on because otherwise this will just be an hour and a half of talking about how Jamie was right and also how Jamie's confused by angels. I want to quickly touch on a couple of moments from this episode, a couple of quotes from this episode. I just think they make you go, hmm, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think we're going to start with what makes him sexy is the cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. Dean totally doesn't have a cowboy fetish. Winchester strikes again. Just, hmm, you know? Yeah. Actually, let's talk about that for a second, because the Jack Dean choices here are wild, to say the least. Like, I don't... What was he going for, if not absolutely flustered? Like, sure, he's meeting a celebrity, but, like... He wasn't this flustered in 218. You know what? Yeah. (laughs) He met a female celebrity crush in Mm -hmm. 218. He slept with her. He slept with her, but he was not... This flustered. No. It's wild. And also, I love that Dean... He, he fucking loves Dr. Sexy. This is yeah. one of those things. This crops up a lot in, in fix. Yeah. Like, if Dean is watching something, like, he's always putting on the box set of Dr. Sexy or, like, complaining yeah. that he's missing the new episode of Dr. Sexy. Like, it's very long-standing. Like, he loves it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's like a Grey's Anatomy spoof. I always thought it was Days of Our Lives because of Jensen, like, yeah. personally. But, I mean, either way, it does work, obviously. It's, I think it's, it's a medical drama. I think like, it's, like, a parody of any medical drama ever. Yeah. Because they all do fall into these... Plot lines. Plot lines. I think the only reason you'd pick it out as specifically Grey's Anatomy is literally Dr. Sexy. Because they had... Oh, it's McDreamy, I think. McDreamy. And it's... Basically... Patrick Dempsey. That's McDreamy. So that's that would be why I'd pick it as a Grey's Anatomy parody... Over Days of Our Lives. Over Days of Our Lives. Simply because, like, McDreamy is only half a step away from Dr. Dr. Sexy. Sexy. They also have the character that they're like, oh, he's a ghost in the mind of this... That's a plot line, I'm pretty sure, from Grey's Anatomy, but the ghost in Grey's Anatomy is played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, so that's, like, also a nod, mm. which is very fun. However, I do love the line where Sam's like, this show has ghosts? Why? And Dean's like, I don't know, but it is compelling. <laughs> it just made me think of fucking Knives Out, and, like, it compels me, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that that scene, that that's all I could think of. And I love that Dean, like, later actually, like, acknowledges because Sam's like, oh yeah, you're not a fan. And Dean's like, it's a guilty pleasure. Like, fucking let him watch TV, Sam. Let him enjoy things. It's fine. And so we have this episode where he's just being so gay about Dr. Sexy. Oh yeah. And then he proceeds to also be gay about Cass. Oh yeah. Three different occasions, Dean's primary concern is Cass. Like, (laughs) Sorry bro, that's a little gay. Speaking of this, when Dean is on the operating table and he's like looking down through the little hole and it like basically the floor beneath him becomes the doors of the game show and it opens the up. The game show host was putting impeccable. his whole fucking pussy into that. <laughs> like, he was crushing it. Oh like, yeah. He did not hold anything back. But just he was killing it. When they do that bit when like the music's changing and Dean's like looking confusedly at the doors appearing before his eyes, the last lyrics of the song that's playing from the like Grey's Anatomy Days of Our Lives spoof is straight from heaven you taught me love and then like the next person that comes through the door is Cass and I'm like wow that's 
that's such a choice, guys. That's such an interesting decision that you made. I love that for you. I, I do want to actually very quickly say every single music choice in this episode was fucking iconic. Mm-hmm. Like, the backing track of every scene, like, Sam's being slapped and being told he's brilliant and a coward, and, like, the song, it's just perfect. Like, it's so funny. I also just want to talk about how dumb they are in this episode. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sorry, but what? It's on brand, honestly. They're literally, like, so the trickster, Gabriel, straight up is, like, he lays it out. He's, like, you've just got to survive for the next 24 hours. You've just got to, like, make do. You've just play not. Play your role. Play your role. Don't fucking die. That's all he has to do. Gabriel tells them. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to survive for 24 hours. That's all you got to do. And then the entire episode, they're like, oh, what do we have to do? How long is this going to last? When does... He fucking told you. <laughs> At the start of all this, when you threatened him, when he was looking like Dr. Sexy, he fucking told you. And I reckon it's just very gay that Dean didn't seem to absorb any of that. <laughs> because he was like, pretty person in front of me. He's too busy having a gay panic. Yeah. But yeah. Sam has no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> On that scene, actually... We had the line from Gabriel where he says, let me guess, you mutton heads broke the world and you want me to sweep up your mess. And I'm like, damn, that is Bob the ghost janitor coded. Like, that is. <laughs> is Bob also an archangel? Ooh, oh my goodness. Bob's getting a glow up. <laughs> but yeah, and actually I did want to talk about this because we've got Sam. Sam has done a pretty significant 180 on his opinion of the trickster and what he would like to do with the trickster. He's gone from murder on sight to ally? Maybe. Side eye? Question mark? Like, maybe fuck just once? (laughs) Well, he figured his brother was getting dicked down by an angel. It was only fair. (laughs) Jamie. (laughs) What is interesting, though, is, like, Dean says, like, ally with the trickster, a bloody violent monster. Like, really? You know? Like, that's you're going to try that again? Also, they keep on talking about killing the trickster, like killing the trickster is a fucking option. As if the only way they know to kill the trickster, they haven't already tried twice and it hasn't worked. Look, you know what they say, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. They're, they're like, they're so dedicated. I know. To this one fucking method that they've already tried like three times Mm -hmm. and it's not worked once for them. And they're like, yeah, we'll just like, if we can't ally with him, we'll kill it. I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. Like, you can fucking try. And they do. And again, it literally does not fucking work. Like, it just doesn't. Anyway, my point is, Sam then says, the world is going to end, Dean. We don't have the luxury of a moral stand. This whole episode is batshit bananas insane. This particular line is very sobering for me. Because he's basically going, like, there is no... Like, there is no right way to do it. Like, it's gonna be shit, but we have to take the less shit route, basically. I find this so fucking funny, considering his entire stance throughout season four was, I know this stance is shit and I'm gonna (laughs) do it anyway. Yeah. But it's just a very... Like, that particular line I think is really interesting to me. Because he's already taken that position. That is the position he had the entirety of season four. And look at where that fucking landed us, Sam. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Maybe the means are important. It's the thing about Sam specifically not learning the fucking lesson. Even in this episode, actually, what is really interesting is that Sam is the one who works out the whole, like, we just have to play our roles. Like, just try. And it's like, 
It's interesting that he's the one who works that out because Sam notoriously does not learn anything from these scenarios. But also, Sam has been the only one in this scenario actually playing his role. By and large, the only thing that I you could argue that, mm-hmm. like, Dean's done, like, two things, I would say, that constitute playing his role in all of this. Mm-hmm. One, breaking in hell, which is, like... The first seal. Yeah. The first seal, which is cuckoo bananas to blame him for that one. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other one is making that desperate deal with the angels when he thought Sam was about to die. Yeah. Which he then backed out of pretty, like, Which he then backed out of pretty immediately. Sam, however... Sam has played his role pretty much exactly how everyone has wanted him to. He's just acting like he's not. Yeah. Which is really interesting... Because, yeah, like, Sam is actively not learning anything when they're trying to teach him a lesson, but then is somehow doing exactly what they want anyway. Whereas Dean is, like, learning the lesson and then, like, walking in the other direction. He's like, okay, how about I don't? (laughs) How about you fuck Yeah, exactly. And it's really interesting that, like... Except for my buddy Cass. He can stay. (laughs) He can stay. Like, Sam, in all of his rebellious nature, is just walking directly down the line they've designed for him. And Dean, in his, like obedient nature is like what if I didn't (laughs) because Sam is so concerned about not doing what people want him to do Mm -hmm. that he's completely blind to the fact that people know this about him Sam's walked so far in the opposite direction he's actually looped back around and went to where they wanted him in the first place like Sam is so determined to not do what people say that they've worked this out about him and all they're doing now is telling him to do the opposite of what they act. They've just reverse psychologyed him. Yeah, Sam, don't drink demon blood. Haha, <laughs> bet. <laughs> like, hey, Sam, maybe this isn't the correct way to go about killing Lilith. <laughs> <laughs> bet. <laughs> like, whereas Dean is like, he wants to be sort of like, he wants to do the right thing so badly that he actually thinks through. What people are asking him to do. All the options. He Dean is reading the fine print terms and conditions. Yeah. Except for when he makes a demon deal. Yeah. But to but... be fair, that was fine because the demons didn't uphold the fine print anyway. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and actually that brings me to another point I had, which is that Dean is a motherfucking nerd. Like, he is such, such a, a nerd. nerd. When he's like IDing the different possible variations of, Hulk. of the Hulk. <laughs> He's a motherfucking nerd. What gets me though is the trickster is like, yeah, I'm I'm in hiding. I was hiding, blah blah blah. But the trickster has so much fucking power. If he's in hiding, why are the Winchesters noticing him at all? Because he was seeking them out. Oh, this time, yes. The well, mystery spot. Well, his whole point was like, why do you think I've taken such an interest in you? The thing is that if he wanted to, he could have just not done that to them. A mystery spot. He could have, but he was trying to teach them a lesson. This is the thing. Like, in that, he was trying to teach Sam the lesson of you need to learn how to deal without Dean. You need to do that. And, like, even in that episode, he had the fake Bobby proposition Sam with the whole thing about, like, what you're going to drain an innocent person? Better make it me than a civilian. Because, and, like, that is Bobby puppeteered by Gabriel. He was there trying to teach them a fucking lesson. I guess means what was the point of that if they didn't already know that they wanted to make him an angel? I think that it just becomes more impactful in retrospect because, like, he was still trying to teach them a lesson. You didn't have to know that he was an angel to know that he was trying to yeah, do that. Yeah, because even if he just knew sort of what was happening in terms of the apocalypse. Yeah. And if he wanted to hang around. Mm-hmm. And he says in this episode, like, 
from the minute that dad switched the light on around here, we knew it was going to end with you. Like it's always been about you. Oh, I just wanted to talk about the vibes of this episode. Like, let's completely change the subject. This entire episode gave me, like, thank God you're here vibes. <laughs> I don't know if that's a uniquely Australian thing or if it's, like, a show that they also did in America. Iconic, honestly. But basically, the plot line was you had a single, like, actor or comedian or whatever, and they put them in a full costume, and then they shoved them into a random set with a whole bunch of actors who all know what storyline and what plot they were playing. Yeah, they already have a script. They already have a script. They already know the scene. And then the comedian or actor just has to try and play along and hopefully they get enough right about the scene to improv their way through it. And this is, like this just gave me big that vibes and made me want to go back and rewatch. watch Thank God You're Here. Yeah. Honestly, that would have been an excellent title. <laughs> Like, if, if that is, like, something that they had in America or they had an equivalent in America that wasn't hosted by Sean McCullough, it would have been a perfect reference because, yes, that is a, exactly the vibe. Particularly, like, the genital herpes commercial yeah. uh, run, which is very entertaining. I also want to point out, this is not something that I remembered, but two episodes in a row, they've given Sam a sexually transmitted disease. Like, they gave him the clap last episode and now they've given him genital herpes. <laughs> Like, this poor boy cannot, like, he didn't actually have genital herpes, I'm assuming. But, like, you know, for the purpose of the ad, like... They've made him say that he has genital herpes. I'm like, damn. I think it's really interesting to look at, sort of, what roles Gabriel gave them in Mm. these shows. Because, like, I think that is significant. Like, here's the thing, because, let's just go through chronologically. Mm -hmm. He gave Sam in the Dr. Sexy MD parody sort of thing. He gave him the role of troubled cerebrovascular neurosurgeon who killed a patient on the operating table <laughs> in what we're meant to believe is a freak accident. In reality, it never happened. It so. never happened. <laughs> Gabriel presumably, because like here's the thing, the patient quote unquote could have shot either of them. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Gabriel chose to shot shoot Dean. Yeah, like, because oh my god, I can finally be like. I don't have to put the trickster in a separate category for this because, yes, all of the angels think that Dean is a dick. Except Cass. He is the exception. Gabriel also thinks Dean is a dick. (laughs) Like, basically, Gabriel chose to have Dean be the one shot and to have Sam be the one that had to be the doctor. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what it says, but I feel like it says something. Actually, like, just on the topic of, like, Dean being shot and, like, Sam having to, like, help him with it, I think there is something to be said there for the symbolism of Dean, like, literally being shot in the back, like, Allah being stabbed in the back, and then Sam being the one who has to step up and take responsibility and, like, take charge of that situation and, like, be the one to patch him up. I think coming out of season four, that as a, like, symbolic kind of situation, like, I think there is something to be said for... Also, just a script flip from the season two finale where Sam yeah. is literally stabbed in the back and then Dean has to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know we're kind of like, oh, like, it feels like there's something there. Like, I think that's it. I think it's kind of the imagery of being stabbed or shot in the back and then the other recognising, like, it's on me to fix this. I guess that's less for, like, the season two scenario, but yeah, you could look at it through the lens of if Dean had helped Sam do more in terms of like trying to understand the like special children thing rather than just flat out being like no we're not going to look at it because if we look at it like I'm worried about you kind of thing 
so yeah, no, I just think that's interesting from like a symbolic standpoint. Yeah. I think it might also just be because Dean at that point was the one directly not playing his role. Yeah. That's like what Sam I was, was kind of possibly playing a doctor. Yeah. Whereas Dean was like, no, I'm going to be a straight up dick to a patient's family member. Yeah, exactly. Like Dean wasn't even bothering to try. Sam was at least having the like semblance of, look, I don't really know what you're talking about, but like, I'll see you later kind of thing. I think it is, I mean, a lot of the stuff in this episode is very pointed. And for example, the questions that are asked in the game show scenario, Sam obviously being asked, what is the name of the demon that you betrayed your brother for? And Dean being asked, would your mother and father still be alive if it wasn't for Sam? Which is wild. (laughs) Also, he's not wrong. The answer is yes, his mother and father would still be alive if not for Sam. Mm -hmm. Because if they hadn't had Sam... There wouldn't have been a child in the right age There wouldn't age have range. been a child in the right age range and they wouldn't have been targeted. Mm-hmm. And then the prophecy or the fate or whatever would have been about a different child. So if they hadn't had Sam, then... They would have had another kid. Like, there would have been a child the right age yes. because of fate and destiny. And they would have had Sam's personality because, like, the whole point... Like, I mentioned to you a couple episodes ago because I got so sick and tired of not being able to bring it up and I was like, it's coming up. And honestly, at this point, you can kind of pick it anyway. Also, we had the reveal of, like, True Vessels, which is actually the relevant plot reveal. Yeah. The whole point is that, as it is in heaven, so it shall be on earth, and we have Gabriel explicitly state to the audience, if you hadn't quite picked up on it yet, that we have Michael, the big brother, loyal to an absent father, and we have Lucifer, the little brother, rebellious to daddy's plan. I have been telling you for seasons that, like, the overarching plot of Kripke era even though they did change it midway through. The characterization of Sam and Dean is so essential to the final plot that even though it's like retroactively been changed, it feels intentional. It is so deeply baked into the show because this is the direction that they went. It's so fascinating. You can go back to episodes in season one and you can see the Lucifer Michael storyline playing out. It is fucking phenomenal and I realize it was completely retroactive and that's not what they were going for initially but like it is clear Do you also, I personally thinking of it I think it's maybe like they obviously they didn't intend for it to be specifically relevant but they also do have a bit of freedom in that yes they're kind of loosely basing it off of Christian theology but also they can manipulate Lucifer and Michael's personalities however they fuck they want. So they could oh, make yeah. it fit more specifically specifically with what they'd already done. Yeah, but it's just the explicitness of the big brother loyal to an absent father and the little brother rebellious of daddy's plan. Like, that is that is it. Mm. That's the thesis statement. And you can go back to season one. You can go to the pilot and say that about them. And it is so deeply ingrained in their characterization. And we have talked about it ad nauseum going through their characterization. And so it's so sort of gratifying to be able to see like, like, yeah. The point is, as is in heaven, so shall be on earth. Which makes it wild that after John died, Sam's entire MO was, oh, well, we should have done what dad wanted. Because that is very severely not in line with what they're telling us now. I think it's more of a, like, Gabriel makes this point in the episode as well. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I love my family. I love my brothers. Like, the reason I left is because it pained me so much to see them fight so much, right? 
the thing about Lucifer, as we've, you know, had him when he was sort of playing Nick's wife and she convinced him to take him as a vessel and saying, you know, don't you know, like, I loved my father because I refused to worship people I was cast down. Like, I loved him. And so, like, Sam and John butt heads because they're too similar and Sam is like, oh, I don't agree with the way you're doing things. But yeah, like, as soon as John died, he was like, oh, but, like, but I loved my dad, right? And that's similar with, like, Lucifer. He's like, we, like, butted heads, but, like, as soon as, like, he cast me down or, like, you know, and he's fucked off and he's disappeared, like, oh, but I love my dad. Whereas with Dean and Michael, it's like, I have been so loyal to you and looked up to you and done everything you've asked and now you've fucked off? I'm furious at you. Like, and it's that dichotomy, I guess, of the two of them, four of them. All right, lovely. I think that brings us to my PSA of the day, Beth. What do you think it is this week? I mean, the obvious one is, like, play your role. (laughs) But, like, that seems a bit... That's too easy, I think. Mm. You you typically will go with something more out of the box. My thought is this. One of my really big pet peeves is when someone will be like, oh, hey, like, I've got this really cool board game. Do you want to play with me? And I'll be like, yeah, sure, absolutely. We can have a board game night. That sounds great. And then I sit down and we spend the next two hours reading the instructions. I just feel like (laughs) this kind of scenario, it always reminds me kind of of that like concept of like a board game. And I'm like, I wish you would come to me already understanding so we can just like figure it out together. And like in this scenario, I feel like Gabriel is the one who's like, hey, I've got this really fun board game. Do you want to play with me? And then Dean and Sam are like, yeah, all right, well, you know, bet. And then Gabriel was like, all right, cool. Here's this really elaborate set of instructions you have to understand. And like, I I realized like, you know, he's like basically play your roles and that's it. But also they're asking follow-up questions and he's like, I don't know, man, figure it out. I don't know. There's a very long-winded way of saying, read the instructions before you sit down to play the game. Okay. Yeah. You know, like don't invite me to something and then be like, okay, now I'll figure it out. Like, no, no. Do your research first and then be like, okay, this game sounds cool and we should play together. Because otherwise everyone just sits there awkwardly for like an hour while you read an instructional pamphlet. That's not fun How for anyone. How long does it take you to read an instructional pamphlet, Beth? This trauma specifically comes from one particular experience where it was a very complicated game. They asked me to sit down at like 5pm. It was 8.30pm and we had not started playing yet. Because every single fucking instruction came with like four caveats of like in this circumstance, in this circumstance, in this, it was impossible. And then I was like, I have to go. What game was this? It was Mink based in HP Lovecraft, like the Mm. Cthulhu mythology. Mm. And it was so fucking complicated. And I don't know if it was just that like the way that the instructions were written or if it was just because I was tired that day or what, but it made no sense. The person I was trying to play with, it made no sense to them either. And I was like, we should have just watched a tutorial. And then we ended up not playing because I was like, I have to leave. <laughs> like, it's been three and a half hours. We haven't done anything. Well, unsurprisingly, <laughs> that was not at all my PSA. Yeah. My PSA for the week is don't let other people force you into a box. Like, Mm, that's a good one. Even when people are trying to force you into a box or a specific role, you've got to be true to yourself. Obviously, think your decisions through, which the Winchesters cannot relate to. But, you know, make sure that you are doing what is right for you and not what is right for other people. 
Don't bend over backwards and fold yourself into boxes for other people's comfort. I'm obsessed with this PSA in the context of Sam, the surgeon, being like, I don't know how to use a fucking scalpel. Get me a pen knife. He's like, I'll accomplish the task, but I'm going to do it my way. That's not at all what I'm saying. I know, but it's so funny to interpret it that way. He's like, I don't know how to use this stitching string. Give me dental floss. That is the only thing I understand. Anyway, I think that's a great PSA. Makes a lot more sense than mine. (laughs) Yours is so niche. I know. Like, like, I have never (laughs) once had that issue before. Never. (laughs) Mine is actually like a personal vendetta. (laughs) I love how you're like, my example of a PSA this week is not actually a general PSA. It is, like, my specific trauma, <laughs> which, I mean, is very, like, relatable for the Winchesters. It's on brand for Supernatural. Uh, this is why Dean's my poor bow. Anyway. Fascinating, though, that this episode was written by Jeremy Carver. Yes. Because he just straight up decides that Sam doesn't need to be there sometimes. <laughs> and he does it again in this episode. He literally casts Sam as a car. <laughs> yeah. I do love, though... So, like, we get a couple of lines from Sam as the Impala, and it's so funny. Like, the fucking part where <laughs> Dean closes the boot, and he says, ow, and then Dean's, like, yelling at the sky, and Sam's like, should I honk? Like, it's so funny. Fascinating that, yeah, like, it's another Jeremy Carver episode, and another Jeremy Carver episode where, for a chunk of the episode, he just fucks Sam off. Like, Sam's just, Sam's the car now, I guess. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the various scenarios that they're in i mean honestly i don't have a lot of notes for this episode because i just spend most of it laughing yeah and like um, the majority of it is just like very silly and very fun and like kudos to both jensen and jared like the acting in this is just like they really gave it their all like it's very very fun and i really enjoyed the fact that you can clearly see as they're switching from like different genres of acting yeah you have them in their like their normal supernatural acting where their voice is as deep as fucking possible because they're trying to compete with Misha. Yeah. And then their tone of voice and their acting changes when they're in Dr. Sexy. Mm -hmm. And then their tone of voice and all that changes again when they're in the game show. And then, of course, the most severe change, I would say, is when they're in the sitcom. I'm sorry, we're going to have to talk to... The fucking lady that comes out of the the bedroom or the bathroom, Uh whatever. I can't tell if she's wearing lingerie or a bikini, but regardless, it's weird that... They just kick her out of the hotel room. Wearing only that? Wearing only... Like, surely she was wearing other clothes when she come into that room. Uh, Yeah, fucking wild. I really am not sure. To be perfectly honest with you, it's always confused me because I've never been able to tell if she's wearing underwear or bathers. And I'm like, it just seems wild. But yeah, that also is another thing that's never really occurred to me. Is like, she just theoretically walks straight outside. Which I guess makes sense if it's a bikini and they're by the beach or maybe there's a pool like it, to be fair it looked very summery yeah the motel oh also i love that they're in the same motel room or whether they're in supernatural yeah. world or tv land it's just the like brightness and like whether also, or not it's like weathered to be fair when we see when we see the hotel room the second time when it's like like the first time obviously we have the opening bit where we see it it's like fucking fluoro green yeah and then we have the little bit where they're working out that it's like the trickster or whatever mm-hmm. but then the second time we see it when it's weathered after that time, they're still actually under the trickster's control. Yeah, it's just that he doesn't yeah. want them to know that because he wants Dean to go outside and be like, yeah. where is Sam? Oh, he's the car. Like, yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very entertaining. 
I did love the fact that in the game show, I the the host, we've already touched on it, but I'm gonna say it again. He Incredible. was fucking flawless. Yeah. I loved him. That actor did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. as the game show host. I also loved that the the like the girls, like the the sexy girls or whatever on set, mm-hmm. are fucking dressed as devils. Yeah, like what a choice. I also love the random I, ad for shrimp chips. <laughs> the product I, placement in this episode actually, also I, in the sitcom, is hilarious. I do kind of wish that one of them had been dressed as an angel and the other one had been dressed as a oh devil. Oh my god, yes, because they're on them, the sides of Sam yeah. Dean. Yeah, like, I love that. I kind of wish that they'd done that. That would have been very funny. But I do think it's also very funny that it's like, yeah. they're literally the devils on his shoulder and then you have the angel on their other shoulder because was the host meant to be Gabriel but just in a different face? I don't know. Like, with that one, I just assumed he was just one of, like, the actors. But, like, I mean, he could very well have been. He did say, like, Mr. Trickster doesn't like pretty boy angels, which is like, wow, what a microaggression. <laughs> Quite genuinely, I think this is like the first, but certainly not the only time, if that is Gabriel or like, I mean, yeah. either way, it's Gabriel's control, where they like microaggress Cass about the fact that he is a little fruity. <laughs> Just a little fruity? Well, like, here's the thing. Like, yeah, I think it makes sense if the game show host is actually Gabriel because he's able to zap Cass away. Yeah. And obviously the line, Mr. Trickster does not like pretty boy angels, which is another one of those things that makes you go, hmm, interesting. That, that, Gabriel's like, homophobic. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> but like, certainly lends to the concept that that is Gabriel rather than like one of his actors, I guess. Which brings us back to Dean being worried about Cass. And when they're back in, like they think that they've gotten out of the world, like they think they've killed Gabriel. The first thing that Dean does is, like, say to Sam, like, you know, or try to say to Sam, because Sam's the cop. He's like, I'm just, like, worried about, like, where Ga- like where the trickster sent Cass. Like, I hope he's okay. And then later, the first thing that Dean makes Gabriel do is be like, first, you're going to bring Cass back. And this is not the last time we have Dean in, like, a negotiation setting where he's like, okay, number one priority, bring back my boyfriend. It's the end of the world. Don't give a shit. Bring him right the fuck back, or I am not doing anything. Like this is not you know the what, best. You know what time. Dean's opinion on the end of the world is? It's the last night on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason he needs his boyfriend for it. I also love Dean telling Gabriel, like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, sorry, but I am not going to play out your little scenario because I don't like it. And I was just popping out there that says. Dean harnessing his gay audacity. <laughs> I found it very interesting the fact that, like, I think it's Dean says, like, that he doesn't like procedural cop shows. Mm-hmm. I was like... Dean really said ACAB. But also, <laughs> Dean, sweetie, you're basically in a procedural cop show. Yeah, but he hates all the cops. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, running from the pilot, Dean's like, the fucking cops can't, don't know what they're doing. They're useless. Yeah. And, like, literally every episode we have where, like, they work one-on-one with a cop, it's like, wow, she wasn't bad for a cop. Or, like... That's from attitude. You're basically living out a procedural show. Like, well, I mean, they also have shit in this episode. Like, damn, I really wish this was TV. Like, you know, like they're taking the piss. But one of the things that I, I've always thought they've kind of missed an opportunity with this, and this might just be me, but at the very end of the episode, when they're like getting in the car and I, I can't remember who says it, but like right, right about now, I wish I was back on a TV show. I always thought that they missed an opportunity to not, because they don't show Cass again after that line. Mm. Like, they show the brothers getting in the car. 
But Cass is there because he's just like come out of the warehouse and so gingerly closed the door. It's quite cute. He's like, oh, I'm just going to put it back how it was. But I thought they've always missed an opportunity to have Cass like look at the camera to like break that fourth wall. Mm. I mean, for meta reasons, because Cass is the thing that the narrative has never been able to control. Like, yeah, he always is the spanner in the works. I just thought that that would be like really interesting to like have that like side eye the camera. I just thought it would be really fun. It's, it's a pity that we didn't get that. I also do think they missed out on a massive opportunity in the pre-release. So they're doing, like, the, the taglines or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm sorry, but are you telling me neither of them said, oh, he's got to put his money where his mouth is? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Step it up. He was found with a roll of quarters down his throat. It was right there. I also love that Dean goes, calm down, I'm wearing sunglasses at night. (laughs) And then they go on to point at an open wound with a lollipop and then poke it with a stick. Like, hashtag professional guy. To be fair though, if you've ever watched any police procedural ever, that is basically the level of professionalism you'd expect. (laughs) I also liked the line when they're in the sitcom sort of show and... One of them says, we might die in here. And then you have like the laugh track. And then Dean goes, how is that funny? Vultures. First, it's like a funny line. But I also think it's like a comment on like, how do you find this entertaining? Like, it's kind of like when they first found the like Carver Edlin books by Chuck. And they're like reading them. And they're like, why would anyone be interested in our lives? Our lives fucking suck. And so I think it's kind of a dig at like, really, you're getting enjoyment out of this? And it's that whole thing of, like, your suffering is the whole point. Our favourite parts are when they cry, you know? like. <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted to say. I think it's fascinating that the trickster cast himself as Dean's TV crush. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. Like, <laughs> he really wanted to get pushed up against that wall. Yeah, like, he was, like... He was really out here making Cass jealous. <laughs> I was about to say, do you, do you think it's that he wants to, like, know what Cass sees in Dean? <laughs> Like, he's trying to put himself in, like, Cass's shoes for a minute to, like... Oh, that's funny. No, I think he's trying to make Dean flustered because he thinks it's funny, but also because he knows that Cass is watching and is pissed. Also, I've 100% seen, like, the scene where Cass has, like, the duct tape over his mouth. Oh, yeah. I have seen that before. Like, I've seen screen caps of that. That is... This episode gets gipped a lot. For, like, obvious reasons. It's the brightest the show has ever been. Exactly. Oh, my God, the color grading. Yeah, this is what I was we, saying. Like, we, all of the other episodes we've just had, all of the colour was sapped for this one. After coming from something so grey, like, that actually might honestly be the case. Like, it might be literally that they wanted to make sure that the episodes preceding this were sort of very starkly different to this. Yeah. So they purposefully Desaturated lo- them. lowered the saturation to try and make sure that when this was aired, people went, oh, that is... Significantly different. Yeah, and sort of, like, purposefully significantly different, just like they did in It's a Terrible Life. And I do think we also need to, like, give a special shout-out to the set designers. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, like, their their work on this was fucking incredible. They rose to the challenge. They really did so much. And, like, with a TV show, like, multiple sets are, like, the more sets you have, the more expensive it is to shoot. Because you've got to, A, make and decorate a set. And B, you also have to move all of your equipment, all of your actors. Like, if you're doing a bottle episode and everything is filmed in the same place, you can set up your cameras on day one and then just leave them. Like, and then the actors don't have to try and worry about, like, moving from set to set. And it's also not just different sets. They also do outdoor locations, which is like, because there's like, I think 
two or three different outdoor locations. There's the place on the lake where the lady's doing yoga. Uh, to be fair, they could green screen that, I suppose. Yeah. They had the one where they're on the basketball court and they had the whole intro sequence where on the bikes and the mopeds and, like, they're playing yeah. with the football. Like, which, also the intro sequence. Fucking incredible. And they didn't have to do that. And I also love that they had the intro music. I love that the lyrics of the intro is, like, together we save the day. Like, it's just, like, technically it is the core of Supernatural, but we're going to turn it into, like, happy days. Like, it's very fun. I also think it's very funny knowing, like, that basically that is Gabriel being like, why can't my brothers just get along? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, actually, I really love, like, the <laughs> Michael, line. Michael and Lucifer and, like, the get-along shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chuck's standing there like, right. With- hug until you're no longer mad. Did your parents ever make you do that? Like, no. hug your sibling? Oh, my God. If my brother and I were fighting, my mum went through this phase where she was like, right, hug it out. And we would just have to hug each other. And then because we were like, this is horrible and awkward and we hate it, eventually you'd start laughing and then you'd not be mad anymore. Yeah. And I was like, this is wildly effective, but also I detested it. (laughs) No, like I'm just... Okay, so this is crack theory time because that triggered something in my brain. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. (laughs) When they eventually like save the world or whatever, because I'm assuming they're going to save the world in some functional capacity because we've got another 10 seasons of this bullshit now the next 10 years is a fever dream inside someone's coma induced head (laughs) when they beat like lucifer or whatever they don't just beat lucifer they also beat michael and they lock them both in the cage that lucifer (laughs) was in in hell and it's like their get along cage oh my god and it's just like your punishment for this stupid like pissing match is that like Oh my god, like, the good place? Like, yeah. we're gonna torture you for eternity by making you put up with each other? Now get along! You're going <laughs> in the cage until you can play nicely. Oh, that's so funny. Oh god. The ultimate sibling tactic. But no, like, it is really funny to have, like... Is that, like, you could argue that Supernatural is very much about, like... It's a story about family dynamics, mm-hmm. basically, right? And so it's interesting that... But they're... also the most toxic, messed up, fucked up family dynamics you've ever fucking seen. Oh yeah, Absolutely. But then what I think is interesting about that is that it's like their toxic fucked up family dynamic is actually a direct mirror of heaven. And it's like, well, that's a take. (laughs) Whoopsie doopsies. You fucked up in exactly the same way as God. And actually it's really interesting. And I want to talk about Gabriel being Dean coded, which I know is wild because the whole thing is that Michael is Dean coded. But like, hear me out for a sec. Because he has this whole bit where he's like, I want it to be over. And I'm like, well, that's been Dean's whole thing since fucking Croatoa, right? But then he says, I have to sit back and watch my brothers kill each other, thanks to you guys. And so, like, Dean obviously would have the POV of himself, but, like, he has to, like, go through that whole scenario, right? Mm. And then what you guys call the apocalypse, I used to call Sunday dinner, which you could have, like, Dean looking at Sam and John having their whole Mm. arguments, particularly, like, you could think of the Stanford argument, which is, like, the big one we know they had where they had the whole family ruptured. And then he says... This isn't about a war. It's about two brothers who loved each other and betrayed each other. And then Sam is like, how could that possibly relate to us? And we're like, Sam, sweetie, baby, how stupid are you? <laughs> like, you re- like, I know we joke about Sam not learning the lessons, but like, babe, this is just pattern recognition. Like, come on. You went to Stanford? Also, I want to point out that I wouldn't call Gabriel Dean coded. I'd call Gabriel Sam coded. Because there is so much fighting in the family. Oh, and he just ran away. That Gabriel ran away. See, the reason. Which is hilarious. I'm not done my point yet. Don't. Okay, fuck. Hold your your applause till the end. I wasn't finished my point, but that's okay. You go right ahead and then I'll finish up. (laughs) 
You seem really passionate, so. Because Sam is no longer the youngest child. Oh, good point. Because Adam is now the youngest child, foisting him up to the middle Middle child child position. (laughs) Oh, good point. I mean, Adam's dead, so I don't know if that... I mean, that means fucking jack shit in the (laughs) show. Unless (laughs) you're Castiel in 1518. Rip. Rip. Yeah, unless you're Cass in 1518 or Dean in 1520, death means nothing. Yeah. But in those two very specific in- instances, there is no possible way you could ever come back. It's, it's canon. If, if you're it's gay... It's homophobia. If you're gay, you can't return. <laughs> but if you're not gay, it's fine. Infinite lives. Yeah. The reason why I said that I thought it was interesting because Gabriel feels a bit Dean-coded in this moment is because I feel like Dean... Dean codes Gabriel, and the reason I say this is because as they're turning to leave, Dean, like, says his final piece, right, when they've flipped the water for the arm, and he says, this is about you being too afraid to stand up to your family. He's like, it's not about their pissing match, it's not about their fighting, it's about you, and it's about the fact that you're too scared to say anything. You're too scared to take a side or to do what you need to do for yourself, and that is so Dean-coded in, like, Stanford argument era. Like, he spent so much time trying to, like, be the go-between between between Sam and John and, like, be the peacekeeper. Like, come on, don't pick a fight kind of thing. Or, like, you know, let him get it out kind of thing. And it wasn't about the fighting. It was about him not standing up for himself and not being like, no, you two are acting like children and... It is interesting, though, that they're like, yeah, this family's gonna mirror heaven. But heaven, like, there are four kids there. It's like, it's interesting that they've only chosen to middle mirror, like, the eldest and the youngest. Well, I mean, like, I guess that's the direct parallel. Middle children just don't exist, I guess. Like, <laughs> which is kind of buckwild to me that they're like, yeah, like, let's make a point about how they're mirroring heaven. And it may honestly just be because they decided on this after they'd already set up the premise. So it's a bit too late to add in another two middle children yeah. between them. But could it possibly be the reason that the age gap between, like, Dean and Sam is, what, like, four, four years? Four years. Because yeah, so there one, were two, four, three, four archangels. So it's, yeah. like, the beats that, are, like, the years where they weren't children are just the, the missing archangels, essentially. Yeah, so Raphael and Gabriel. I mean, I've never thought about it, but I think that's a really fun theory. Especially considering, like I said earlier, like, I don't think we ever really get the other archangels as characters as such. Do we get Raphael back at any stage? I'm pretty sure He's Michael and Lucifer yeah. are the ones with like the major plot line. Oh, I just have like two more points. The first one is when they're talking about like the rules, they go, what are the rules? Gabriel just waggles his eyebrows. Yeah, it's iconic. Which is a choice and I support that for him. <laughs> like, it's like I support gay rights, but I also support gay wrongs. <laughs> like, also the suck it up and play the roles that Destiny has chosen for you. As if he didn't run away from the role that Destiny had chosen for him. Well, this is the thing. Like, we were joking about, like, middle children being forgotten. Like, he didn't really have... Sam is technically a middle child. Oh, my God. And this is a Jeremy Carver episode. Jeremy <laughs> Carver... I've connected... Jeremy dots. Carver really said middle children don't matter. <laughs> but, like, you know, he he wasn't the point. Like, the no. point was Michael and Lucifer. Yeah. Gabriel was just kind of also there. So I'm looking up who wrote Jump the Shark. So I didn't see if it was also Jeremy Carver who made um, Sam a mill child. That's so funny. Was it? Was it Darb? 
Well, anyway, I feel like that pretty well does us for the day because we've already kind of half discussed it why we had the live reactions running. So I think that just about does it for today's episode. So Jamie, how would you rate episode eight of season five, Changing Channels, out of five? I think I'm going to give it a four and a half. I'm not shocked. It's a very fun episode. I really like, it's very creative. They use a lot of like really cool like lighting and sound design techniques mm-hmm. to really differentiate the different universes within they it. They really lean into the tropes of the genres that they use and it's so, like even it, to the point where they you have the graphic of the heart being stabbed in the yeah, cop procedural. That was like, so, like that is every mid-2000s cop procedural I've yeah, ever seen. The like, woman crying, telling Sam she loves him through the glass of the operating theatre, yeah. like they really the lean into it. You're a coward. Yeah. A brilliant cat. Like, it was honestly, when they lean into this kind of gag, they really lean into it and it's it pays off. I am Jamie. Commit to the bit redacted. <laughs> it also did vindicate my thing and solidify the fact that we shouldn't be friends because you gaslight me for months on end. <laughs> Just stop being right about things and I won't have to. Now we're going to take 30 seconds to mourn the loss of my favourite joke. <laughs> because it has now been confirmed by canon as fact <laughs> as fact but no i think it was a very good it was a very solid episode it was very fun honestly i love this episode i'm glad you liked it i was expecting you to and i'm glad i was correct i don't know what i would have done if i was wrong like if you hadn't liked this episode i would have been like man i don't even feel bad about the gaslighting at this point <laughs> my issue is there like i i don't want to like it but it's also like there is nothing to actually point out as specifically like bad I think it's very fun. Like this episode, like it's a vibe. this episode, unlike Tall Tales, has aged pretty well for the most part. Yeah. Like there's a couple of moments, but you know, comparatively, it's aged pretty well. I think it's also like some of the like I would argue like the girl in the bedroom and that haven't aged the greatest, but it you can also kind of forgive it because it's only doing that to play into the, the genre, genre of it all. Yeah, like it's not just doing it because it thinks it's funny or whatever. Like yeah. they are leaning into the trope. And that is the joke. That's the joke, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that it's very good. This is an episode that I watch and I fucking laugh out loud. It's just so... You're going to be listening to our live reaction track and it's just going to be like constant laughter. Yeah, pretty much. And I think that just sums up the episode. Okay, so a 4.5. Cool beans. The next episode is titled The Real Ghostbusters. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, predictions? Okay, so I have two theories about what this could be about the first one is something to do with like the supernatural books because like the idea that they are the real versions of these characters yeah like i think it's something to do with that and we maybe get like maybe chuck or maybe becky or something like something along those lines Mm -hmm. the other one that is like always a possibility that i would adore (laughs) is it's ed and harry back yeah it's the ghost faces that's why like it's sort of going down that path i think it's probably one of the two Okay, I think that's a pretty solid guess. The next question is, do we think Cass will be present? See, here's the thing. I feel like it depends on which one of those two it is. Okay. <laughs> like, because I feel if it's Ed and Harry, that Cass isn't going to be there. Okay, but it would be so funny to watch them interact. I feel like it would be too powerful <laughs> to have Ed, Harry, and Cass all interact. Like, yeah. I don't know if they can handle that. You know what I mean? Whereas I think if it is about the books, it's more likely to have Cass in it. In that case, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed recording. I hope that the live reaction was everything you could have hoped for. And hopefully we will have you back for next episode with guest Naomi. 
Oh, fuck, I forgot Naomi was on this one. Yeah. And if you wanted to get in touch with us at all, you can always find us on our social media. All the links will be in the descriptions below. And top- possible topics for conversation could include... Ooh, which one was your favourite bit? Like, which... Which genre? Which genre of the episode? Like, because I think I'm really partial to, like, the sitcom. I just think the sitcom acting that they did was, like, bang on. Like, they did such a good job. I think my personal favourite is the Dr. Sexy MD. Honestly, even just for a Bidene, like, incredible. But the moment when they are operating or Sam's trying to operate and he's like, I don't know how the fuck to use any of this shit. Get me some dental floss and some whiskey. Dental dental floss, a pen knife, some whiskey. He has a scalpel right there and he's like, can I have a pen knife? (laughs) Like, Sam, sweetie baby, surely you could have figured out how to use the scalpel. (laughs) We have established that Sam learns nothing. Oh, God. Anywho. It is a one-to-one transition between a scalpel and a pen knife. And he's still like, like, and again, dental floss, too fucking surgical. Yeah. So like, it is a one-to-one. Comparison. Comparison. Like whiskey to literally any alcohol-based sanitizer. Although actually you really shouldn't use alcohol-based sanitizers on open wounds because Mm. it coagulates the blood. There's an equivalent. Yeah. Like the whiskey would be used for sterilization. Surely there is a sterilizing agent there that he could ask for. Yes. Yes, there would be. Uh, And that just about does it. So thank you so much for listening. And we hopefully will have you back next week. Bye. Bye. Rip to my favorite joke.